You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is March 22nd, 2018. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Coming to you here on a Thursday edition of the show. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's show, we're going to preview Tonight's matchup against the Philadelphia 76ers, the Sixers making their only trip to Orlando, a couple injuries to to update you on, uh, as Orlando tries to build off whatever positives they could find from Tuesday's defeat uh, and try and steal one from another playoff-bound team before the schedule really lightens up uh, for this Magic team, at least record-wise, if if a schedule can lighten up for the fourth-worst team in the league. So we'll talk a little bit about what's ahead for the Magic coming up on Thursday night. I then am going to talk about how Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon played together. We saw their first extended minutes together in the starting lineup, and I think the returns were overall very, very positive. So I'll talk about how they played together uh, in Tuesday's game. And finally, I'll give another shout-out and another preview of the interview that's coming up on Locked On NBA today. So be sure to download Locked On NBA on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device for David Locke's interview with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. We'll have a preview of that coming up later on the show. But let's start today with a preview of the Magic's most immediate game against the Philadelphia 76ers. It's been a while since the Magic have faced the Sixers, and um, Philadelphia's kind of been a difficult matchup for them. Joel Embiid... Uh, was fantastic in both games for the Sixers against Orlando. They really struggled containing him in the paint. And, you know, frankly, the way Nikola Vucevic has been playing right now, especially on the defensive end, I wouldn't exactly say that there is a ton of hope that that narrative will change dramatically uh, as the Magic take on the Sixers once again. This is obviously a Philadelphia team that is in the midst of the playoff hunt. They're playing some very good basketball. They're playing Memphis on... They, they played Memphis on Wednesday night. Uh, uh, so they, they'll, they'll be coming in on a back-to-back. But this is a good team. Philadelphia, 39-30, sixth in the Eastern Conference. I would say comfortably in the playoffs at this point. They, they'll make the field of eight uh, and begin, you know, to, to, to see if... see Get that exposure, get that playoff experience that they so desperately need. But Orlando's had a little bit of success against them. I think that they they were able to hang tough with them in that second matchup specifically. But Philadelphia's got all the things that give Orlando problems. They've got length. They've got the ability to switch on defense. They've got they've got a dominant rim protector keeping people out of the paint. Um, the only thing that Philadelphia really does that, that works to the Magic's favor is if Orlando can play strong enough defense and create some turnovers, they will be able to get out in transition. Philadelphia is a high turnover team. And so they will make mistakes, and and, and they will uh, have some costly, costly mistakes. Philadelphia actually leads the league, is the worst team in the league in terms of turnover percentage with 16.7% turnover rate. But overall, this is a very good Philadelphia team. That's that You don't expect to ever be that bad with turnovers, but this is a Philadelphia team that is very, very strong on the defensive end. There's no getting around it. Um, they're, they're very strong on the defensive end. They're a very good team overall, 106.5 offensive rating. 103.2 defensive rating for a positive net rating of 3.3. They're fifth in the league in terms of defensive rating, uh, and their offense is 13, so about middle of the pack. This is this is a team that has long established its identity as a defensive unit. Um, having Joel Embiid obviously helps with that, but they've got guys that can switch it everywhere. 
uh, between Ben Simmons running the point, who who had who had a field day against Orlando the last time they played. Um, it, it's a tough matchup. What we would all like to see is if Orlando can match the length that Philadelphia uses with their new toys and with their new lineup, which I, I'll talk about in a moment. Unfortunately, that may not be the case Thursday night. Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinel reporting out of practice on Wednesday that Jonathan Isaac is doubtful to play with a strained le- or with a sore left foot. I forget exactly what the, the description of the injury was. Jonathan Simmons also remains doubtful with his wrist injury suffered in practice earlier this week. So, yes, Orlando might be shorthanded again. They cannot seem to get rid of the injury bug. Maybe some of it's an overabundance of caution. Yes, I, I understand why the caution exists, and I'm okay with it. I'm not, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. But obviously, the Magic need to be at full strength to play against a team like this. And they're not going to be at full strength, obviously, because Evan Fournier is still out. Terrence Ross is still out. Both are, are probably not going to play the rest of the season. Um, I, I think I think I can... I, I when, when Fournier went down, I immediately thought, yeah, Fournier is probably done for the year. Terrence Ross is probably... I, I, I'm, I'm downgrading my optimism that Terrence Ross will be back this season from probably to, yeah, not likely. Uh, so Orlando, obviously not at full strength. Um, so they will need strong efforts and strong games from their main guys. They're going to need Aaron Gordon to play more efficiently than he did, toward, especially toward the end of Tuesday's game against the Raptors. They're going to need Mario Zonia to be a little bit more efficient with his shot selection. They're going to need Nikola Vucevic to make shots and step up his offensive game uh, in an efficient way, not necessarily in, in a production way. Uh, and obviously, they're going to need their defense to play really well. They're going to need to play really tight together defensively. They're going to have to find a way to contain Ben Simmons, force him to stay on the perimeter, not let him get in the lane and pass the ball, uh, and not let any of the Sixers kind of grinders uh, out-hustle the magic in a lot of ways. It's, it, this, is, this is a very good Philadelphia team, and this is a team that uh, that Orlando has struggled with throughout the season. This will be the last matchup between the Magic and the Sixers at the Amway Center, 7 o'clock, uh, tip-off on Fox Sports Florida. Of course, we'll have complete coverage of that game on Friday's episode of Locked on Magic as the season continues to wind to a close and the Magic continue to play this homestand. Now, what's interesting to note about this homestand, we'll, we'll, hit the halfway, we'll hit the halfway point of the homestand after the Magic's game against the Sixers. The final three games of this homestand, and really... When you look at the schedule the rest of the way, the Magic are going to play a lot of teams in the tank race, uh, and I know that's going to get people kind of all hot and bothered. Uh, I'm not someone who goes to Tankathon every day, but as things stand, Orlando has the third worst record in the league, tied with the Atlanta Hawks at 21-50. and 50. Orlando will play Phoenix on Saturday. They'll come back and play Bro- Phoenix as the worst record in the league. They'll play Brooklyn, who has the seventh worst record in the league, on Wednesday, and then close this homestand against Chicago with the eighth worst record in the league. After that, they travel to Atlanta, who has the who's tied with the Magic for the third worst record in the league. Then they travel to New York, who has the ninth worst record in the league, and then play Dallas, who has the fifth worst record in the league at home, and then they will close the season out with Charlotte at home. Charlotte has the tenth worst record in the league. Milwaukee, a playoff team, and then the Washington Wizards, also a playoff team. So Orlando really, after playing Philadelphia on Wednesday or on Thursday, has only two playoff teams left on the schedule. Now that's not to say not, it's not to say that the Magic should be counting wins at this point. They are the fourth worst team in the league. 
obviously, or the third worst team in the league right now. So you can't count on any win. Even against Phoenix, I wouldn't count on a win there. But if you're like me and you see opportunities to win and you say, okay, these are games where the Magic need to compete and give themselves a chance to win, and when they get those opportunities to get wins, they should get them, there are plenty of opportunities to win. Now, what does that mean? Where where, where will the Magic finish in these, these final final games? That is a bigger. That is certainly a bigger question. I mean, right now there are eight teams uh, within five games of the worst record in the league, or five wins of the worst record in the league. Phoenix has 19 wins. Orlando has 21. Dallas at 22. Sacramento, Brooklyn. That pick goes to Cleveland at 23. Chicago at 24. New York at 26. It is possible Orlando ends up with like I think Orlando probably ends up at 25 wins. 24, 25 wins, somewhere in there. I, I do think Orlando is going to play better to end the season. I think, yes, they'll, they'll play the young players. They'll get they'll bring Jamel Artis and Rodney Purvis back up probably after the G League playoffs end or probably after the regular season ends this weekend or, or kind of yo-yo them back and forth uh, as, the, as the Lakeland Magic play in the playoffs. It looks like they're going to make the playoffs after Jamel Artis' game-winning basket on t- Tuesday night. But... There are opportunities to get wins the rest of the season, and the schedule is going to lighten up very, very, very much, um, at least opponent-wise. And so that, those opportunities to win are going to be there for this young team. And so you hope that, yes, that it's Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac leading the way to these victories and and, and giving the Magic something positive to feel, to feel about how they're playing. And yeah, you might hurt your lottery chances by a pick or two and... I, I've I've told people who said the Magic have consistently done that and won late games to hurt their lottery chances. That's not true. This year, yes, they might do that. Not necessarily intention intentionally for sure because they want to win games. But I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing either. Now, if they play lineups like they did in the fourth quarter on Tuesday, where Shelvin Mack is your alpha, then. Yeah, you might be lose. You might put yourself in a little bit of a hole, even against some bad teams. So, get ready for some bad basketball, as as the Magic are going to be well into the tank race the rest of the season. So, we'll have that to look forward to this year. And uh, you know, something that we are excited to look at and, and watch the rest of the season is the continued development of Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac. Um, you know, it, it was the number one question I had at the turning of the fourth quarter of the season when the Magic moved from where they were, uh, essentially, where, where they were playing in the third quarter of the season to turning to a home and, and the final 20 or so games. The big question is, can Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac play together? And, and even the Magic coach Frank Vogel said, this is the number one thing we need to answer this season. The rest of the season is figure out, as a franchise, can these two guys play together? And it's not going to be a perfect fit yet because Jonathan Isaac is so raw, particularly on the offensive end. But just getting them out there and, and experimenting a little bit was the number one purpose for the season. And so Tuesday night against the Toronto Raptors, Orlando got to see that experiment in full for really the first time. To this point, they played, I think it was less than, almost like 50, 60 minutes together on the court at any time. And a lot of that's because of Jonathan Isaac's injury. He's been out for most of the year. 
And even when Jonathan Isaac was healthy at the beginning of the year, Orlando was bringing him off the bench and trying to develop him slowly, and you didn't see a lot of Gordon-Isaac lineups together. So Tuesday night, for the first time, the duo started together and played major minutes together on the floor. And against one of the best offenses in the league and one of the best teams in the league, I think it's safe to say they were pretty good. Yeah, well, the defense is what I expected it to be. It's going to be really good with those two out there together um, in any in any way, shape, or form with, with whoever else is out there. Uh, you just got a lot of athleticism and um, you know, defensive ability, and, and you know that was evident from the start of the game. J.I. was, was fantastic with five steals and two blocks. Um, you know, we have containment ability, we have length, we have, re- we have rebounding, and uh, you know, our defensive numbers for the game uh, look pretty good. Uh, offensively, uh, it looked pretty good too. You know, it's going to be a little bit of a work in progress uh, with those two guys learning to play each other, uh, play with each other. But um, you know, some positive signs early. The numbers back this up almost completely. Obviously, there there are definitely some 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 questions or some some small sample size error that we have to consider. They played 26 minutes together in Tuesday's game. In those 26 minutes, Orlando posted a 102.9 offensive or 102.9 defensive rating giving up 102.9 points per 100 possessions, again, to one of the best offensive teams in the entire league. They scored only 99.4 points per 100 possessions, which isn't a great mark, but considering how poor the Magic played in the fourth quarter, I think there's a pretty big outlier. Until that point, Orlando, I thought, played pretty well offensively. Isaac was shooting very confidently. Gordon was shooting very confidently. They were getting out in transition. They were using the defense exactly the way the Magic want to use their defense to spur their offense and create some pace and create some energy. And that's this is exactly what the Magic dreamed of. They dreamed of watching Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon causing havoc in the on the perimeter against 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 offensive players trying to drive in the lane. They dreamed of them crashing into the paint, causing deflections and steals, and zipping back out to the three-point line to challenge three-pointers. That length, that athleticism, that ability to switch is everything the Magic dreamed of when they made the Jonathan Isaac pick, when they decided to pair Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac together. And it looked that way pretty much the entire night against the Raptors. Again, it's a young group. They obviously have. They obviously still have a long way to go. They have a long way to go offensively. Even Aaron Gordon has a long way to go offensively. It's not a complete lineup by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe it would have looked a lot better with the Jonathan Simmons out there, another strong defender on the perimeter. Although maybe he hasn't played that way all of this year, but someone who can create a little bit off the bounce too and create some some space and freedom for these guys to to take shots from beyond the arc. Because Gordon is a confident three point shooter now. Whether that's justified or not is another question. And Jonathan Isaac is growing in confidence from beyond the arc. Looked very good in making his only two three-pointers of the game on Tuesday. Isaac also had his second career 10-point game. So the offense is coming with Isaac. And obviously Aaron Gordon has taken some big steps offensively too. The unit together, obviously it's just a two-man unit. So who you have with them matters too. But it's, it's hard to argue that Isaac didn't make a big difference defensively. That he wasn't noticeably active. He wasn't he wasn't changing the way the Raptors had to play while he was in. They struggled to adjust to him. And he, obviously, through his deflections, he had six deflections in the game, according to NBA.com, far more than any other player on the Magic. In fact, I think second place was three by Nikola Vucevic. He had the, 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 the steals. He had the blocks. He had all the defensive plays you are looking for from a player. And I think 
when you watch those two play, the excitement about them, the excitement about what they can do, even from the players themselves, is pretty palpable. It's great. You know, it's great. But John, is, his intangibles are amazing. You know, his ability to get steals and deflect the ball um, help a ton. You know, having an elite defender out there uh, is big time. He's just going to keep getting better and better. Uh, But I'm looking for him. That is Magic Forward Aaron Gordon. And obviously, it didn't end in a win. And that's what ultimately matters. Eventually, these two players are going to have to learn how to win. And, And as I always say, there's no better day than the present to begin learning that. So hopefully, this is a valuable lesson. And hopefully, this experience is something that they will continue to use to grow and grow and grow. Isaac said, really, the only thing holding this duo back right now is experience. They have to learn how to play together. And, you know, even Shelvin Mack hinted that part of the Magic's offensive problems of late have been because of the constant changing in the lineup. The fact that they haven't been able to get a consistent group out there on the floor. So give Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac the final 11 games now to play together, to grow together, to learn each other's games, to figure out how they fit together. And that might change things for the Orlando Magic. That might provide a clearer picture of what this team's future is. Now, obviously, Isaac is doubtful to play on Thursday. He may be out again for another game. But undoubtedly, the rest of the season is about seeing what these two young players can do. And like I said, Tuesday night, was incredibly promising. We're going to close today's show with yet another preview, another clip from the upcoming interview with Commissioner Adam Silver coming up on the Locked On NBA podcast. That podcast should be out sometime Thursday. So be sure to subscribe to Locked On NBA on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or any other place that you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. This is a fantastic interview. David does a fantastic job uh, covering the big NBA issues on the Locked On NBA podcast. Has some of the Locked On hosts on as well to talk about their teams and talk about the NBA at large. Um, it is definitely a, a a big, big, big thing for him. Uh, the clip that I want to play for you here is something that I'm interested in. Um, if, if you if you follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD or, or or even at Omagic Daily. You'll hear some of my some of the hills that I die on, or some of the things that I'd like to see the NBA try to do. And and one thing that I've always liked and I've always enjoyed um, when I watch European soccer is that there are multiple trophies handed out during the course of a season, and not every trophy is important to every team, but it gives you or gives your team, your franchise, an opportunity to win something else. I'm a little different than a lot of people. I don't think the playoffs are always the greatest indicator of who the best team in the league is. You have random injuries. The Warriors won 73 games. Steph Curry was hurt in the finals. They lost in the finals. They should have won that series. They're up 3-1. Yada, 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 yada. But that team did something during the 82-game season that is worthy to me of recognition. Maybe it doesn't work quite in the NBA because the regular season champion or the best team in the regular season often does win the championship, win win in the playoffs. 
But to me, the regular season is a different challenge than the NBA Finals, than the NBA Playoffs. In a series, you get time to scout and game plan and fine-tune to tailor-make your game plan to beat an opponent. In the regular season, you got to be ready to play every single night. And so I'm a big proponent of having different kinds of competitions throughout the year. And so I, and I like this idea too, I got excited to hear that yes, the NBA is floating the idea of having a single elimination tournament during the season. Think of it this way. If your team like, let's say your team like the Magic, where you have a lot of injuries early on in the year, and you lose out on the playoffs early on in the year, but you know there's a big game coming up, a game with some meaning, some real stakes in February or in January, a single elimination tournament where anything can happen, just like the NCAA tournament. The best team doesn't always win the NCAA tournament. That's a, that's a terrible way to figure out a champion if you're going to go the tournament route. It's a terrible way to figure out automatic bids, that's for sure. There's just too much randomness. It's, it's, it's essentially one week makes up for or is more important than an entire season, an entire four or five months of work. I just think that's inherently unfair. And so winning a single elimination tournament to me is a different skill than winning, say, a conference championship or winning consistently during the regular season. And maybe that's a skill that a team like even this current Magic team might be better at. We've seen them upset the Cavs. We've seen them beat very good teams on any given night. They may not be able to do it over the course of an 82-game season every single night. But that one big game can spark some confidence, can create some stakes, can put young teams in pressure-winning situations and ultimately help them grow. And so I'm excited to hear what Adam Silver has to say about the potential of a more European soccer-style cup. And that's what David Locke asks him in this interview coming up on Thursday. I went back today and actually listened to an old interview you and I did, and one of the things you said was, I would like to have more than one trophy. I'd like to, so what is your vision on cups, and when do you think it can ever happen? And, you know, I'm, you've done your research. I mean, it, it, again, um, I, I continue to covet, you know, uh, other leagues, especially when I look at international soccer, where there's more things to play for than just one championship trophy. So it, back in the league office, we've looked at midseason tournaments, we've looked at playoff um, playing tournaments, um, I, I would just say we're still studying it. You know, I, I'm, I'm balancing it against tradition, and I, you, I think there, were, there was a there was a period there where people thought the All Star Game had outlived its usefulness, but then it bounced right back this year, and I think that came with a tweak of sorts where. You know, we, we changed the format, had captains, um, created a little different incentive for the players uh, um, to, to go to, to, to be more competitive on the floor. And, and I thought it really worked. So we're, we're, we're sticking with All-Star um, now. I think in terms of other tournaments, um, it's, I, you know, we're, we're, we're going to study things. We're going to look at other – we're especially looking at other things around how teams move into the playoffs. Maybe that's also a way to deal with the, the rebuilding issue that's become so prominent in the league now. But if, not, nothing to announce yet. Certainly, Commissioner Adam Silver playing his cards a little close to the vest. And obviously, there's the rumors about the play-in the play ideas that they've had 
for the final playoff spots, potentially even giving teams deep in the lottery a chance at making that last seed of the playoffs with kind of a play-in tournament after the regular season ends, giving every team a chance to play for something and to, to, to kind of sneak into the playoffs and get that kind of big game experience. I think that that is just a huge thing to have meaningful game experience. Uh, and, and obviously Adam Silver, uh, he likes these ideas. And I, I really you have to applaud Commissioner Adam Silver for thinking outside the box, um, not being trapped by tradition, but absolutely respecting it too and not rushing into anything. So I think we'll continue to see the NBA study these kind of off-the-wall ideas, uh, continue to explore them, maybe even implement a few of them. I wouldn't. I agree. I don't think anything is imminent, um, but there are definitely a lot of really good ideas out there, and I think the NBA has a commissioner that is willing to listen to them and willing to try new and different things. Of course, you can listen to the rest of this interview with David Locke on the Locked On NBA podcast. You can subscribe to that on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. I highly suggest you download it even outside of listening to Commissioner Adam Silver's interview on the podcast. They do a great job covering the big national issues around the league, talking to the local experts that host the Locked On podcast for each individual NBA team like I do or talking about big NBA issues with some fantastic guests. I know Kevin Pelton's been a guest on there before. Obviously, Adam Silver is going to be a guest on there. Um, David talks to scouts and coaches, uh, gets a lot of great insight onto, uh, onto what's going on around the league. So definitely give that a listen, give that a download when you get a chance. Also, be sure to download the Locked On Magic podcast if you haven't done so already. You can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast and listening device. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We'll have your primer for this weekend's NCAA tournament matchups and NCAA tournament prospects to watch coming up a little bit later on Thursday at orlandomagicdaily.com. So be sure to check that out. I know Ryan Doyle will do a great job getting you set for what to watch uh, in this weekend's college basketball games. As yes, we do have an eye on the upcoming NBA draft. That's going to do it for me, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode. The Orlando Magic take on the Philadelphia 76ers at 7 o'clock at the Amway Center. We'll have a complete recap of that game on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I will see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.